Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Purpose Podcast. My name is Haas Rauscher. The goal of this podcast is to help men find and fulfill their purpose. I'm going to help them be good, strong leaders, good, strong men, good male role models in their community. I'm going to do that by having conversations. I'm going to invite guests on. I'm going to ask our guests, what is your purpose? What do you think your purpose ought to be? How did you find that purpose? And what do you do every single day? How do you get up, get after it, and go and fulfill that purpose? Today, it's just going to be me. I had a guest scheduled and uh, he got really busy. He, he's a very busy dude and uh, ended up having to reschedule. So we're going to hear, hear from him later on down the line. He's a really good guest. He's got a lot of stuff that uh, I really want to get in front of y'all. He's going to be awesome, but like I said, very busy guy and uh, we had to we had to reschedule. So today, you're just going to get me. I'm going to do a little bit of q and I saw that a lot of y'all actually sent in some Q&A questions, and I really appreciate that. I think my wife sent about 30 of them in. So, <laughs> uh, But no, we had to get a lot of good uh, participation on the Q&A questions, so I really appreciate that. I'm going to answer some of the more silly ones. I'm going to answer some of the ones that were directed specifically kind of at me. And then I'm going to leave some of the deeper ones for some guests that uh, are going to be on later. So if your question was, if you thought it was a really good and deep question and it didn't get answered today, that's because it was a really good and deep question. I'm going to wait and uh, let some guests field that so that you can, you can get a, a response. It's not just for me. You're not, you're not here to listen to me specifically. You're here to listen to me and the guests most of the time. So, but anyway, I'm going to start off with a little thought that I had over the past couple weeks. So I finished phase two about three weeks ago and just been kind of living life off the program, you know, sticking to, to what I'm trying to do, the, the gallon of water a day, the, you know, two workouts a day, things like that. And I got to where we, we took a trip down South and it was kind of, we, you know, it was, it was a little bit of a vacation. So we didn't really eat the best and didn't work out all the time. I actually did go to Planet Fitness and try to work out, but they didn't even have barbells. And so I, did, I just didn't know what to do with all the machines there. It was back day and without a barbell on back day, I didn't really know what all to do. So didn't get a bunch of good, uh, bunch of good workouts in while we were down there. And that's not what it was for. We were there to go spend time with family and, but trying to get back on any sort of routine. Um, when we got back, um, I've, I've been having some shoulder issues. I've got a little bit of nerve pain in my shoulder. And before I get a thousand comments about, you know, yeah, CrossFit causes injuries. This, this was from my bow. It was before I even started CrossFit, I got my bow and, um, flared up some nerve pain. I've been dealing with it for almost a year and it's been flaring up again. I've had to stop doing overhead presses and things like that for a little bit just to see if I can get it moved around doing some physical therapy with uh, Chase Christie and trying to get it figured out. But anyway, all that's to say that I just haven't really been feeling it the past probably week. Um, it, it it was, it was a tough week and I didn't really want to do anything at all. Uh, didn't get my water in, didn't, eat right, didn't do the things that I needed to do in order to, um, keep moving forward with my goals. And sometimes that's a, that's a really hard place to be because you're not, how do I, it's, it's a hard place to be because you're down on yourself for not completing your goals. You're, you're upset with yourself for not completing your goals and you could fix all that by just doing your goals. But the more upset you get with yourself about doing your goals, the less you want to go and do them. Like for me, it was a, it's almost like a depressive cycle of, well, I don't want to do this. And then I feel like a piece of shit for not wanting to do it. And that makes me want to do it even less because I'm, I'm just down. I'm, I'm not feeling good. So, um, I, I'd kind of listened to a little bit of uh, Jordan Peterson. There was a, a podcast with Jordan Peterson and Andrew Huberman to where they talked about just going and, and doing one thing for people that are that are kind of in a slump. And Jordan Peterson talks about it a lot, like go make your bed or go clean your room. Um, I, I think that's part of a, a general idea of just getting off the X. That's kind of a, a slogan that a lot of people say in the self-help community or especially in the military community is get off the X. I couldn't tell you what that's from, I think it's like a military thing, but basically just when, when you feel, when you feel like you're in a rut, um, just get moving, <laughs> like get, do something. And, and what actually happened to me is I, I just felt like I was in a rut and I, I, I went to go to CrossFit and I actually put all my clothes on. 
uh, well, I mean, I had clothes on before I changed (laughs) and, uh, changed and went to go to the CrossFit gym, literally sat in my truck and I looked at everybody who was registered and it's nothing against the people that were registered. It was just, it was a bigger class that day. And I was like, God, I don't, I just don't want to go work out with a bunch of people. And some, sometimes I have those days I'll, I'll pull up to the gym for like an open gym and there will be 10 people there. And I'm like, no, I don't want to deal with a bunch of people today. It's, it's a me problem, not a them problem. But, um, so I packed up. I mean, it's a little embarrassing. I literally got out of the truck, turned the truck off, went back inside and I just didn't know what to do. I just didn't know what to do. Dylan was at work. Um, I didn't really want to cook dinner. I didn't feel like cooking dinner. And so I looked in my, uh, hunting bag, my, my, uh, day pack for hunting that I load down uh, to do rucks with was sitting on the table and I was like, well, at the very least, I guess I can put that thing on and go walk and just walk. And I fought myself with it for a little bit, um, sl- slow rolled it. And then finally I, I said, no, you're going to get up, you're going to go do this and you're going to go on a walk. You haven't worked out for two days. Um, had, I had a couple of valid excuses. My truck was in the shop, stuff like that, but you haven't worked out for two days. You're going to put that pack on and you're going to go walk. And that was the one good thing out of like three days. That was the one good thing I had done all week. And it felt so good to just go do that. I mean, yeah, it was hard. And because I hadn't been active and I hadn't been stretching for days and days and days, I got maybe five minutes into my walk and my right leg tightened up and it was just, it was hell. And, but I have a route that I walk for my 45 minute walks for 75 hard. When I do them, um, I have a route that I walk and it typically, it it typically goes down to this little school in our neighborhood and, and comes back. And like I said, maybe a quarter into that walk, I started hurting real bad and, it was go time there. You know, I said, no, we're, we're here. We're going to go finish the route. And typically when my leg tightens up and stuff like that, it's just from not stretching, but you know, you you try to not stretch and then you go on a rock and it it doesn't really work. But I said, no, we're going to get through it. And typically if I walk it out, like it's either I can turn back, go sit down and go stretch and feel decent. Or if I just walk it out in about 20 minutes, it'll, it'll go away. And so that's, that's what I did. And it was hell for about 20 minutes. And then on the way back, um, it, it kind of tightened up again. Um, and I was about 10 minutes away from home and you know, it was, it was rough, but it felt so good just to get off the X, just to do something. Uh, and this happens all the time. You know, when you're, when you're paralyzed by decisions, be take action. Um, I think some of these military guys call it default aggressive of, of when, you don't know what to do, do something, um, you know, make a plan, have, have a, a reasonable, decent plan of how you're going to do something. But when you, when you're paralyzed by indecision, you've got so many decisions that you, you need to make, just do something. I mean, it can be as something as simple as cooking dinner. You have no clue what you're going to cook for dinner. And you sit there and you spend 30 minutes looking at all the stuff in the fridge and all the stuff in the pantry. And you still have no clue what you're going to cook for dinner. And then you look at your wife and you're like, well, do we want to go out? And she's like, well, you told me to save money yesterday. So, um, do you really want to go out? And you're like, ah, God, I've got food. I just don't know what it's, it's the same thing. Or if you've got a truck that needs fixing or whatever you're dealing with, if it's a, a, a kid thing where, you know, your kids got to have certain school supplies and you just don't know what to get or whatever it could be just do something. Um, you know, typically what I'll do is I'll, when I don't know what I'm actually going to cook, but I, I I know I've got a certain meat, say I've got chicken breast in there and I don't know what I'm going to actually cook. I'll, without having a plan, without having anything else set out, I'll pull the meat out and I'll throw it on the, on the cutting board. And typically what I do is I'll grab it. It's as simple as I throw the meat on the cutting board and then I'm like, Oh, which knife do I want? And I'm like, Oh, well, I guess I'm probably going to butterfly this chicken. So I probably want my bigger chef's knife, the the Japanese one. And so I grabbed that and then I'm like, yeah, actually, yeah, I think I will butterfly this chicken. And then I butterfly it. And then we ended up having, you know, grilled chicken and asparagus and potatoes. Like it, it just went together really well because, but I, I was no longer paralyzed by indecision because I just did something. I threw the chicken breast on the cutting board and that mandated that I get a knife out. <laughs> you can't, I'm not going to beat the chicken breast with my hands. You know what I mean? And, and tenderize it that way. No, I I threw it on the cutting board because I needed to to process it further in order to, to cook it. And so that mandated that I got a knife out. And when I got a knife out, I had to use it and, you know, so you, you can follow this. And that was just my thoughts of, you know, I didn't feel like exercising, but I did one thing. 
I did one thing and it felt really good to do that one thing. And it just culminated into, um, building momentum and, uh, keeping that momentum going through, you know, that's kind of what 75 hard does is it allows you to build momentum and keep it going and it, and it, it makes it easier to create momentum. So just keep that in your mind over the next few weeks when you, when you're paralyzed by indecision or you don't want to do something and you know, you're feeling down, uh, just take action, just do something, uh, do, do anything, do anything that you might perceive as having the slightest benefit. Uh, if you need to clean your room, throw one thing away, throw one thing away. And then you're, as you're on your, on your way to go throw that thing away, you're going to see the next thing that needs to be thrown away. And then you're going to have a path forward. So those are my thoughts. Um, I'm done preaching to you. Um, I'm going to do some rapid fire questions because everybody, when I asked everybody what I should do, I said, Hey man, I I had a a podcast guest that couldn't make it. What do you think I should do? Just kind of asking people. Um, they said, one of them said, do the rapid fire questions on yourself. And I thought that was, that was really cool. So, um, first of all, we're going to go with the favorite book and why, uh, this one was really hard and I'm surprised that a lot of people come up with it so easy, um, because it's, it's been really hard for me. I, I, I don't, yeah, uh, I thought about this a little bit and I intentionally didn't think about them a whole lot because I wanted it to kind of be random and I know we're supposed to be doing rapid fire, but, um, I want to say leadership strategies and tactics, the field manual by Jocko Willink. I think that that changed my life, um, significantly. I think out of all the books and keep in mind, I've only been truly like reading these self-help books and, and books in general for, uh, I mean, yeah, I've been reading books. I went through school, but I, there was a long period where I really didn't read anything once I got out of high school and even in high school, I didn't really read. So it's only been for like six months. And so I don't have many stacked up like some of our guests have, but, uh, see leadership strategies and tactics that one probably changed my life the most as far as the way I deal with people and the way I move forward. And I've seen the most benefit come out of that book. I read that book directly implemented it, uh, into my life while I was reading it. And I saw the most benefit come back from that book. So that's probably one of my favorites, but I do want to preface this with, I also listened to the Jocko podcast 24 seven. So I don't know if that book really had the content I was looking for. Like if I just handed this to somebody who's never listened to Jocko, and they may say, oh, well, this doesn't mean nearly as much to me. For me, it may have just been connecting all the dots that I was listening to on Jocko. So I wanted to put that in there, but I do want to give the preference that I may be adding extra value to that book because I've listened to hours and hours and hours of Jocko's podcast, and it just finally kind of connected the dots. So leadership strategies and tactics. And then um, I do want to add that uh, one of the, a book that really surprised me as being one of my favorites that I didn't really think would be. And now when I, I went to look at my bookshelf or the, the shelves that uh, my wife actually made that uh, I put up that that we've got books all over them. And I went and looked at it and it's called Outdoor Kids in an Inside World by Stephen Ranella. If, you, if you're hunting at all, you know about Meat Eater. And this book is kind of, it's the, the premise is how do you get you know, inside kids or or outdoor kids in an inside world. So how do you create that? How do you create outdoor kids in a world that is so dominated by inside activities, video games, all this, all this stuff, YouTube, whatever. How do you get kids out into the wild? And it's kind of a a field guide for how to get children um, out into, into nature and experience nature. Kind of like what we talked about with Sam. Uh, How do you, how do you do that? And it gives a lot of good references, but it was, it, if you read into it deeper, I kind of have a habit of reading deeper into things and what they mean sometimes. But if you read deeper into it, it's really a, a, a manual on how to get out of your current uh, headspace and go explore the things around you. And it's, it's perfect for adults too. It gave me a bunch of ideas about how just to get myself further out into nature, not even kids that I may have one day or, or somebody else. So uh, I think if I had to just pick an outright favorite and one that kind of surprised me the most, it was probably outdoor kids in an inside world. And I know I could hand that to anybody and it would have the same effect on them. So, um, yeah, favorite book and why, uh, favorite day of the week. I, that one's hard. I want to say probably Friday because I only, I only work half a day and typically DLN is off that day. So I come home and we have an understanding that we're going to go to lunch on Friday. We're going to go grocery shopping. I'm going to go get a lift in typically 
do do it, it's basically my day. I get a half a day to do the things that I need to do that day that, that don't interfere with my weekend activities like hunting or meal prepping or cooking. And I get to spend extra time with DL and typically she does those things with me. So, um, that's, that's probably, if I just had to go off the cuff and give you my favorite day, that's probably it. Um, the other contender is Sundays because we typically have, um, some of our couple friends over on Sundays. We'll call up a, a couple friend of ours and, and say, Hey, y'all want to come over and I'll cook for, for, somebody on a, on a Sunday. So sometimes it's Sam and his wife McKinley or Scott and his girlfriend, Ellie, uh, we'll invite various people over on Sundays, uh, or my grandma, we call her Mimi. Um, we'll invite somebody over on Sundays and cook for them. And so it's, it's gotta be either Friday or Sunday. That is a really hard question though. Uh, favorite quote. I think it's going to be, nobody cares, work harder. I think that one kind of, that one gives me more motivation. Uh, how you do one thing is how you do everything. That's another one I really, really like. And that's, you know, if you do one thing half-assed, you're going to do everything half-assed. If, you know, if you constantly do every single thing to their full potential, then that's how you're going to do everything. Uh, or nobody cares, work harder. Basically nobody cares, work harder just means, dude, no, nobody cares, um, what you're going through, your, your excuses and stuff like that. And, and some people do care, but it's just a mentality of like, Hey, look, man, don't focus on the bad move forward and work harder. Uh, those, those are probably two of my favorites, but I think nobody cares, works hard. Uh, nobody cares, work harder. That one is, uh, that one's probably my favorite. So a uh, random fact about me, that one was actually a, a Q and a submitted uh, question. Random fact about me. Uh, my feet are two different sizes because I crushed a toe. So I completely crushed a toe and they had to take like a half inch out of it. And so my feet are actually two different sizes because of a surgery that I've got. And it really kind of sucks going and buying shoes. Like I can't get a shoe that satisfies both feet at all. And it's not like I could get a size 11 and a size 12. It's just because my left foot is just so fucked up from the toe that any shoe I put on after a certain period of time, it'll start to hurt that toe. So that's kind of a random fact that some people didn't know. So before I get into some of the longer Q and a, I wanted to address something that I've been talking about for a little bit, and that's going to be the purpose podcast book club is, uh, kind of what we're going to call it. I don't know if we're actually going to call it a book club, but it's this idea that I want to go through a book and read it with y'all and kind of, dive deep into what they're saying and give my thoughts on what they're saying. Maybe talk about it with a guest who's also reading a book. And we're going to do that in the month of December. And I've picked a book out that y'all should, y'all should be able to read 10 pages a day and complete the whole book in December. And we're going to talk about it as we go along. So if you know, the podcast is going to come out on the 20th of December, I'm going to have expect you to have 200 pages read by then. And we're going to talk about probably the chapter that that closest ends to the 200 pages. You know, if chapter ends on 190, we're going to talk about the the full length of, of the book up to that point. And we're, we're going to segment it. So, you know, on day seven, we're going to talk about the first seven pages of the book or 70 pages of the book. Sorry, I'm an idiot. Uh, you know, that'll be the first week podcast coming out. So the book is going to be The Comfort Crisis by Michael Easter. This book was given to me by Sam. Also, oh, shout out to Sam. I'm actually recording this today. He spent it, finished his Spartan race in under an hour and only failed one obstacle, which I think he said was like a spear throw. But shout out to our, our guest, Sam Pearson, that we had on last week. Uh, super cool dude. He actually went and got uncomfortable in Granbury this weekend and did a Spartan race. So shout out to him. But, uh, he recommended me this book. It's called The Comfort Crisis, and it's a, it's a really good book. I'm not going to spoil too much yet, but basically it's this guy, you know, getting uncomfortable. He's dealt with some alcohol abuse and stuff like that, and so it's going to be a really, really good book. I'm giving you all of November to buy it. Okay, so literally if you save a dollar a day, you can buy it on Thanksgiving and have it to your door before Christmas. There is no excuse to not do this. Um, I hesitate against audiobooks because I want to... I want people to take their notes out. So if the only way you can listen to it is by audiobook and keep track of your pages and that's that's fine, but 
really I want to I want this to be an exercise in understanding the the, the written word I don't, I don't know if that's blasphemy I don't know if I mean this is written word but uh, understanding the written word and and how to dive deep into that and kind of sharing my thought process with some of y'all behind how I read these books and how I interpret these things because that's kind of what I've been asked a lot so once again, it's called The Comfort Crisis. Uh, go go buy it. Like I said, if you save a dollar a day, uh, you can get it. Just go get it. I think. I don't know. I didn't buy this. It was gifted to me. If it's $80, somebody let me know. I didn't look at it beforehand, but they're typically not that expensive at all. So I know y'all can do it. Let's, uh, let's go through December. Read this book with me and... Uh, let's talk about it. And if you have an interesting perspective on this book, maybe you've read it before and you want to come on the podcast and talk about it, let me know. So that's what we've got. A little bit of housekeeping and letting you know the the program that we're going to have on in December. Oh, by the way, that's not all the podcast is going to be. I'm going to, we're, we're probably in December. We're going to get two episodes a week. We're going to do the book club and we're going to do a guest podcast. So just be prepared for that. Don't tune out of the podcast in December. If you don't want to read a book, we're still going to have guests on and we're still going to do those things. Y'all are just going to get more content, which I hope is what you want. So um, on to a little bit more deeper questions that I feel like were kind of directed at me. Um, and, and something that I felt like y'all wanted to hear from me on, uh, it's going to be a little bit of a Q and a first off uh, the first one that, I mean, really nobody else can answer is how did, uh, how did I meet D Ellen? So I think it said your wife, but I'm pretty sure they were talking to me. So how did I meet my wife? We were actually in geometry class. I had walked in and it was the first day of, I want to say my, yeah, my sophomore year at Eastland. And, uh, we kind of had this arrangement. I think it was a little bit late to class cause I didn't really know the school layout. Like everybody knew the, the school layout and I didn't really, because I got there on freshman year and immediately had knee surgery. So I had to like stay on the first floor and didn't know anything about the building and the room numbers and stuff like that. So I was a little late and everybody was already sitting down. And so I had to sit in like the back corner of the class and she ended up sitting right. I think I ended up, I don't remember if she sat right next to me or I sat right next to her, but basically we sat next together in class. It's pretty much a movie. And, uh, she needed help on geometry and, uh, <laughs> she, uh, she liked to wear low cut tops. So that was, that was always fun. Um, yeah, she gives me hell about it all the time. And I found out that maybe on test week, she might've worn them on purpose. So I got played pretty much. But uh, yeah, she wore low cut tops and she always needed help on her geometry class. So yeah, of course I'm going to go help her. And so that's basically how it started. And basically she had a boyfriend at the time. And so I didn't really pursue anything and I was focused on other stuff. And so uh, we talked for a little bit, but she had a boyfriend and I was trying to be respectful of that and kind of backed off and, and went and did my own thing. And then later, uh, I want to say it was her senior year later in my junior year, I had kind of started talking to her again. We ended up in a uh, another class together that where <laughs> my wife is really bad at math. Just a joke. She had failed the geometry class and had to come back for uh, for that's why she she's a grade above me. So that's why she was in the class with us because she had failed it and had to come back. And then uh, she ended up. I don't think she ever failed her algebra two or anything like that, but she had to do the remedial classes. Um, which there's a lot of people bad at math. I'm not, she's not embarrassed about it. So that's literally how we met is that she's, she's habitually bad at math. So she came into algebra and she remembered me helping her and she asked for help again. And we just kind of started talking and she wasn't dating anymore. So, um, I shot my shot and we're here now. So that's kind of how I met her. It's a cute little story. Like I said, straight out of a, straight out of a movie, but, um, yeah. So, just ladies, if you listen to this podcast and you don't have a man yet, just find one that's good in math and wear a low cut shirt and he'll end up buying you a house one day. I guess that's how it works. But, (laughs) um, another one was the best day that I've had this year. What was the best day this year? That one was really hard. Uh, and I'm going to ask, I'm actually going to turn that around on all the yous and ask you, what your best day was this year, because that was, I had, it forced me to look back at all the good times that I've had this year. 
And just such a warming feeling came over of like, man, what was my best day this year? And I couldn't really pick one. And you don't think about any of the bad days that happened this year when you're asked that question. So I'm going to ask you. Uh, actually, I'm going to put it on the Instagram and y'all go and comment what was your best day this year. If you can, if you can figure it out, because I had a very hard time. I've had a lot of good days this year. And so I had a very hard time, but go and think about it. And I don't care if you come up with 20 of them. Give me all of your best days this year and, and go back, look through your year, see it, all the wins, see it, all the successes, all the days that you lucked out. What was your best day this year? But for me, um, I, I had a few of them and I'm going to give you probably three of them and some of them that I don't really, it's kind of confidential. So I, the real answers aren't exactly in here because they're not being talked about yet. So, but first of all was, uh, I think failing phase one. And that sounds kind of counterintuitive. Like I'm trying to be edgy, but it really isn't. I I'd failed phase one. And one of the reasons that was the best day this year in, in retrospect at the time, it probably wasn't, but me looking back, it caused me to do phase one for 60 days. And I saw a huge amount of growth in that, in that time period. And I failed it. Uh, yeah. I, on uh, close to 60 days, I ended up having to do it for like 57 days or something like that. Um, uh, you know, I failed it uh, on a progress picture and just looking back as far as my personal growth and as far as what good has happened for me this year, that was probably one of the best days for me because it, it forced me to have to restart and it completely changed my mentality because I remember being so down for all of five seconds and then I realized how big of an opportunity it was. So it was a huge landmark for the changing of my mentality of, oh, hey, you know what I mean? Like, no, this is a challenge. We're going to get this done. I wasn't down on myself the whole day. Uh, called Brett and we talked about it. Good. We're going to get, we're going to get better over this next, you know, doing phase one for 30 days again. So in retrospect, that was probably one of my, one of my best days, uh, as far as what helped me develop at the time. It wasn't like, I wasn't just super elated at the time, but looking back, that's probably one of them. Um, probably one of the, the happiest days that I was just, really happy. It was a great day. Mark it down as a great day. Uh, it was when Jonah came up to record the podcast. We went and we deadlifted. We hung out all day. Uh, it was, it was a birthday celebration for me. Cooked him a steak. We hung out on the back patio, drank whiskey, listened to music, talked with Sam and McKinley. And, uh, Jonah was there. That one was probably just, if I had to look back and say, damn, that was a good day. Even at the time, that one was probably, top tier was when Jonah came down. And like I said, we, we recorded the first podcast episode. And I remember how excited I was when I hit the stop button on that, on that podcast episode. And, uh, actually, so <laughs> I cut it at the end because it was, I, I knew nobody wanted to listen to it, but, uh, when I finished it and ended the podcast, Jonah and I started like getting hyped, you know, like when you hit a big lift, like we, like we got really hyped because we knew it was such a good episode. And it was kind of unintelligible. And I, like I said, I knew y'all didn't want to listen to it. So I just kind of cut it off the end of it. But I kept the original file because we were so hyped. I mean, we, we were we were so excited that we had just done that. And we knew it was so good. We were so locked in um, for that whole episode that that probably, and as I'm talking about it, I'm getting goosebumps. But that was probably my happiest day this year was having him down here. And again, my wife was here for all that we cooked. And it was just... It was a really, really good day. And so I think that one's probably number one. The other uh, probably runner up, uh, I don't know, this this was really good. It was more of a, a whole weekend, but we actually got to go down for my brother's senior day. Uh, you know, they do the senior football game, the last home game where they walk everybody out onto the football field. And uh, my brother's been playing football for, I mean, his whole life. He's He's stuck with it. He's actually played more football than I have, which, you know, is kind of weird to think about being the older brother, but, um, so we went down for his senior day and being the, being the nature of a middle child and, um, a younger, a younger child, his birthday is also December 2nd. So, <laughs> I mean, right in between Thanksgiving and Christmas, he doesn't get a lot of days that are just for him. And he did, a while back and it was his eighth grade graduation and that kind of got ruined by some family stuff. And I may have had a little bit of a part in that, but, um, he, he just, he hasn't had many days that were just for him to celebrate him. I mean, we always try and my parents always, you know, when he has big games and stuff like that, like 
let me put it this way. He may have had more of those days while I've been out of the house. And that sounds kind of bad, but you know, I went through all my senior stuff and, and stuff like that. And I did some, some things in high school. And so once I got out of the house, he may have had more of these days, but I didn't really get to be a part of them. And so it was just really, really cool to get to see him like this whole weekend of being about him and his senior day. And some of that, you know, we're the, we're the guests down there and they love to see us. So they treat us really well. And thank you all for that. I know y'all listen to the podcast, but, um, so the weekend was kind of about us cause just because we were down there, but this whole day and this whole weekend was just about him. And we were all there to just celebrate him. It just, it just, it felt really good, um, to see him kind of get that dub. Uh, and, and I've been kind of, I've been passionate about helping him get those dubs and have those special moments, you know, throughout his life, especially after I, after I left high school. Um, I remember, I, I want to say it was, I don't remember if it was his eighth grade graduation or like an eighth grade dance that, um, I bought him a pair of, uh, ostrich boots. And so that was, that was really cool, but that wasn't this year, but his senior day was really, really cool to see him walk out on the field and get to walk out there with him and just have all day, you know, this grown ass man that is my little brother it just have it all day be about him. That, that was that that was really cool. That was that was a top tier day this year. But anyway, so that was my best day this year. That was going to be a little bit longer of a of a question, so I didn't want to put it in the rapid fire. But yeah, think about your best day and go answer on go answer on the uh, Instagram post that I'm going to put up. What what is your best day? How do you you know think about all the days and think this year and think about all the good times you've had this year and, and give thanks for those and, and make your best day yet to come too. We're not fully, we're not fully done with a year. And so if, if you really are having a hard time about it, go make better days throughout, uh, November and December and the rest of October. So that was a good one. Thanks to whoever asked that question. Um, let's see, I did how I met Yellen best day of the year. Worst advice. Um, or well, I'm going to answer this one. So strongest challenge, for young men today. That one's really hard. Um, I don't know if the same person put on there, what is a man's greatest struggle, but I'm going to leave that for a later, a later guest. I got two questions. I got, what is the strongest challenge for young men today? And then what is a man's greatest struggle? I think I'm going to leave the man's greatest struggle for a a guest. And we're going to talk about that of once you become a man, what is your greatest struggle? And I'm going to answer, what is the strongest challenge for you that young men face today? And when I was kind of writing and trying to answer this question, eventually, I don't think that this is a hard question just because of, of, you know, relativity of, you know, well, there is war, (laughs) you know, there's war and there's tyranny and there's death and things like that. Like all of these challenges that everybody faces. So I wanted to kind of narrow that down and, and really get to what I think you're asking here is kind of what daily, daily, what do young men face? And it's kind of specific to men and what can they act on right now? Because daily they, they, daily they, you know, face inflation, even though they're young men, they, they do, you know what I mean? They, they face economic problems, they face all of these things, but what can they directly do about them right now? And I was going to start with, uh, the, the, the food kind of thing that we've got going on here. And I know it's a weird topic, but it's really hard for young people in general to get ahead on their nutrition. I feel like, because they need so much of their parents helps buying, buying correct food and, and not being fat in, and you know, parents, they'll get to where they may have a different metabolism than their kid. And so they've got just a bunch of trash in the house and that happens a lot or their parents don't care that they're fat. They're already fat. And it just, you know, it just rolls down to the kid. And so I was going to go with nutrition and go with that because I think that is something that if you're a young man listening to this podcast, you can directly try to change. Um, and it's something that you face every day, but I don't think it's specific to men. And so you're specific to young men and I don't think it's specific enough. And so I really started thinking, and I was listening to Andrew Huberman and Jordan Peterson. And so this one, if you got kids in the room, don't, this is not, you know, something for younger kids, but I think one of the strongest challenges that young men face today, and this, I think this is worldwide is the ease of access and the foisting of sexually explicit material onto our young men. Um, 
we have kind of an epidemic of, of porn and sexually explicit things that get put into our young men's faces. And, you know, women aren't affected by it the same way that, that men are. And that's, that's scientific. You can go listen to all the things, dive into all the things. Um, but it, it has to do with dopamine, dopamine and sex drive and stuff like that. But go listen to Andrew Huberman. He does a really good job on it. Or I think it's on Jordan Peterson's podcast with Andrew Huberman, where they talk about how, that affects your dopamine and, and really just gives you a lot of mental problems. And I think that is probably the strongest, uh, challenge that young men face today is trying to stay away from that and not let it completely ruin their, their lives and their and their marriages and their sex lives. You know, at the ages of 12 and 13, these kids are able to access porn easily on their phones and on their computers. And even at my age, like it, it wasn't that easy. I mean, like I'm young, but it still wasn't as easy as it is today. I mean, they hop on TikTok, and there's literally half-naked women um, with their boobs and ass hanging out all over this stuff. I mean, it, it, it's just kind of wild. And to to hear the science behind what it does to young men and even older men. I mean, older men can get easily addicted to this stuff. And I would reckon, like, honestly, I think nine out of ten men are and you know one out of 10 men are liars like <laughs> there, there's a few people that are not addicted to this stuff but I god there's got to be so many men that have struggles with this and uh and especially young men and so I think that's a really big challenge that that they kind of face today and let's talk about what you can do about it as a parent I don't the only thing you can do about it is prepare them and to let them know how awfully it affects them educate yourself and uh, number one, be a good example. Um, if you've got old Playboys that, you know, that your kid can find and, you know, I understand a Playboy is different than like online porn, but not to them. Like that, that's the same thing because that's, that is their Playboy now, which is a sad state of affairs. But number one, be a good example. Don't let them, you know, find anything or do anything that, that could, possibly hint at the fact that, um, you know, you frequently look at sexually explicit material. Like I said, I don't care if it's just a playboy or if you've got a bikini poster hanging up in your garage, uh, you know, of a bikini girl washing a car or something like that. This happens all the time. And you know, it's, it really does. And I understand it's dude culture. I'm not against, you know, being appreciative of a hot woman. I'm not, I'm not against that. But make sure that you're being a good example because it is so detrimental. The places that that can go for for a young man and an iPhone, it goes from a bikini girl to like hardcore stuff in a matter of seconds. I mean, it really does. If you, if you don't know this, then I don't know where you've been. But so first of all, if you're a parent, be a good example. Second of all, let them know how deeply it affects them. I mean, I mean, sit them down and say, hey, look, I know you're going to look at this stuff. I know it's going to be on your phone. This is how it affects you. And if you care at all about your mental state, you will refrain from this. Um, let them know how it affects them. And, and back that up with being a good example. As a parent, that's the only thing I know that you can do. Uh, because it's, it, they're gonna, it's gonna happen. They're gonna look at it. It's gonna get shoved into their face. I mean, it already does all the time. And like I said, you know, the bikini posters that are all over the place, like advertising in general, it gets thrust into their faces so hard that the only thing you can do is prepare them for the consequences and, and give them a hint of, Hey, when they start to feel those consequences, they've already heard that it's going to happen and it connects instantly. They instantly say, Oh, I've heard about this. For example, if you tell them, Hey, when you're on alcohol, you're not going to make good decisions. And you know, it, it could really ruin your life. Well, there, that doesn't mean they're never going to touch alcohol. It means they're going to touch alcohol. And the moment that it starts to really affect their life and they start making bad decisions, they're going to recall that time you told them and they're going to go, son of a bitch, they're right. Okay. So that's the only thing as a parent you can do to, to really prepare your, your young men for, um, the, the age of, of porn. I mean, that's the only thing you can do. Um, as a young man, what do you do for yourself? Uh, as far as facing this challenge, I, um, the, the only way that I've been able to really get that stuff out of my social media is block every single thing that even suggestively puts a girl in yoga pants on my Instagram. Like that, that's, that's all you do is just to get it out of your life, to get it away from you is block 
every single page. I don't care if it's a page about cars and they've got thousands of car posts without a woman in it. If they put a woman in in a bikini washing a, you know, a really nice Dodge Challenger. Okay. You block them. You block them. That is how you refrain from that. And it works. It works. I, so I had to delete TikTok. TikTok. I, I tried it for a little bit. And it was funny. There was some really funny stuff on there. And I hated deleting it because I love spicy memes. And TikTok is good with spicy memes. But it knew I was a man. And it, no matter how many accounts of half-naked women I would block, it would keep throwing them at me. Like literally we would sit and my wife loves to would love to play the game where we pull my phone up and we scroll and we see how many times I have to scroll before a half-naked woman gets on my TikTok. And do that. If you... if. Really, if you think that there's not a problem, go to your Instagram. Facebook's not as bad with it. Go to your Instagram and go to your TikTok and scroll and count the number of times before you see a half-naked woman on your on your TikTok. Do it. Do it and then come and tell me that there's not a problem because the number is like five if you're a dude. It's like five. Um, if that, if it's not the first thing to pull up. So I had to just completely delete, delete TikTok. Worst app on the face of the planet. Um absolutely responsible for a lot of detriment of the society over the past couple of years. Um, I had to completely delete it and I recommend everybody else does. Um, but on these other apps like Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, if they even suggestively put, um, a woman in your face, um, I don't care if she's closed or not. I'm sorry, dudes, but if she's shooting a gun and the first thing you see is her ass, that's by design. <laughs> that's that's by design. I don't care if she's wearing jeans. That's by design. They're trying to get you to watch the video. So you block that post. Um, you block, not even that post, you block that account. That is the only way to protect yourself from this stuff. And it, it truly is detrimental. I'm not going to get into how it affects you because I don't exactly understand the science. I, I do a little bit and I know how it, it affected me and, and, and friends around me. But do your due diligence and get away from this stuff and learn and, and get outside of that. That was kind of hard for me to, to, to talk about cause it is such a heavy topic and it's so ignored in our daily society. Like you have to be really close to somebody to even bring it up. But, um, I do think that is the strongest challenge that our young men face today. And like I said, there's not with the way technology is and it's so ingrained, there's not much you can do about it other than those things I've said. And if anybody wants to talk about it, if anybody wants to share their experiences, please come on the podcast and, and help share. Um, if you've got any other recommendations for how to deal with this stuff, uh, let me know. And, and let me also, let me preface this with religion does a lot for people and God, I understand that a lot of people find their morals in there and it, it is immoral or amoral or immoral. I don't know how to say that, but the, the, the industry is completely immoral. It's, it's terrible for anybody to be in. Um, it is super degrading. You would never want your daughter doing anything like that or your son for that matter. Um, and yes, you can find some, some strength in Christianity and the fact that God says this is wrong. But if, if you're a super Christian dad, offer your son something other than God says it's bad. I, I understand, I know, and yes, we can build our values upon what God says. Offer him something that he knows. Offer him consequences. As in, hey, if you do this, your marriage is, your future marriage is gonna suffer. Or hey, if you do this, you're not gonna be you're not gonna want to spend as much time around actual women. <laughs> and, that, and that's proven. That's a fact. Okay. That's why it destroys marriages. Because the people that engage in this kind of stuff they, you know, well, guys, guys that engage in this kind of stuff, they find themselves not wanting to be as intimate with their wives. Like this happens, offer them real consequences. And then you can back that up with, with what God says. I have no problem with that. Hey, look, this is God's word, but you will find actual consequences from this. So I know I have a lot of people on here that love Jesus and, and yes, I, I completely understand Judeo-Christian values are 100% the only way to go back that up with something real that they can see. Because I guarantee you, if it's not you, 90% of the men at your church have the same problem. Even probably even your, your leadership. Um, and if you want to fight me on that, you can, but if we're all being honest with ourselves, it's true. 
So anyway, guys, help protect your young men from that. Young men, protect yourselves. Get away from this stuff. I promise it's not worth it. What's worth it is getting married and having a partner to do those things with. That's what's worth it. And this makes it 10 times as, ten times harder to do those things. So get away from it. Get your kids away from it. And uh, yeah, just to drop some heat on y'all, that, that is the strongest challenge that young men face today. Um, oh, that was deep. Um, yeah, so... I wanted to end with something a little bit more, uh, not lighter, but that wasn't <laughs> wanted to end the podcast with something that wasn't porn. So, um, I had a question that came in. It was, it was worst advice. What is the worst advice I had ever given? Um, that one was really hard. Uh, and <laughs> I know that sounds super arrogant because it's like, well, I never give any bad advice. I'm sure I've given plenty of bad advice. Um, but I also follow all the advice I give. So maybe I give bad advice, but I do it. So I don't see that it's bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I may tell somebody to cook with butter instead of olive oil and that's bad advice, but I do the things that I tell people to do. So I'm not sure whether it's bad advice or not. So I couldn't give a specific instance of, Hey, I gave this bad advice and it like really ruined somebody's life or I was completely wrong on that. Um, I couldn't really find one of those things. And maybe that's because nobody listens to me anyway. So <laughs> they're not messing their lives up with the stuff that I, I give them. But, um, I did come up with kind of a category of advice that I feel like really hindered my relationships for the longest time. And that I, I still struggle with. Um, it's going to be, I wrote down giving unsolicited advice at the wrong time. So I, there's a thing where nobody ever gives unsolicited advice and this, and I, yeah, I don't really agree with that. I think unsolicited advice is good on certain occasions. I think it's for the people that just say absolutely no unsolicited advice whatsoever. If somebody else is having an issue and I know about how to solve this problem, but they don't ask me, I'm going to let them drown. I don't, I don't think that's good. I think that unsolicited advice is good. And I think it's okay to simply say, yeah, man, I have an opinion on that. If you want to hear about it. You know what I mean? Offer your advice unsolicited, but make sure it's at the right time because, and I can think of a specific instance. I had a buddy who, uh, he, he was, he's growing up, um, and he's going to know who he is when I talk about him and he and I can talk about the stuff, but he was, he was growing up and he was graduating college. He got a big boy job. Um, and, I had kind of mentored him through some things with his career and kind of given him a little bit of a direction as far as how to go in his career. And as he was growing up and doing things on his own and, you know, using his own money the way he wants to use it, I, I feel like he would constantly do something that he was excited about. And I didn't think it was the best idea. And some of them weren't, <laughs> I mean, I'll still, you know, argue with him to this day on some of the things that he did that I don't think were good ideas. Um, but instead of just being happy for him in that moment, because I, I couldn't change what he had done. There was no way me changing like, Hey, you need to do something different. Uh, I offered him unsolicited advice and I felt like that kind of hindered our relationship for a little bit. And now I've kind of gotten away from that. At least I feel like, or at least I'm trying to, and he and I are, are growing to become better friends. So like I said, I can't think of any specific advice that I offered him that was just completely wrong, um, that he, that he tried and that like ruined his life. Um, and a part of that's because we had so many conversations that I, I very well may could have, I just don't remember it. So, but I do know that giving unsolicited advice at the wrong time, for example, you know, he, he bought a house and when he did that, I was like, Hey man, I, you know, this, this, and this it's completely wrong time. That's not what somebody wants to hear when they, when they want to buy a house. Um, they want your friend, they want their friends to be excited for them, even though <laughs> I may not have been wrong on one of the things that, you know, happened or a couple of things that happened. And I may have been wrong, but it was the wrong time for that. He wanted me to be excited and I wasn't excited. And I have a problem with faking excitement anyway. I like, I have a hard time being excited when I'm not genuinely excited. And so that didn't help either. But giving that advice was not good. Um, you know, not good at all. So worst advice I've ever given is a category of unsolicited advice at the wrong, at the wrong time. And I've done that quite often in the past and I'm really, really trying hard to get better. And I promise if, if I do that, um, and if somebody else does that to you as a person, like if, if they do that to you, say you're really excited about something, 
and they give you this unsolicited advice, just say something like, yeah, man, I just really wanted you to be excited for me. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, man, I, I really just, I wanted to share this happy moment with you. You know, like don't say, oh man, you ruined it. Just say, take their advice and go, yeah, man, I, I appreciate it. Number one, listen to the advice. That's Jocko number one is be humble and listen to the advice. That goes for me too. I'm not saying listen to me. I'm saying for me, when I get unsolicited advice, my number one rule is to listen to it now. Um, even if I'm excited and I think it's ruining my day and it might be still be, keep an open mind and listen to it. But if you have decided that it's just not the time and place and instead of getting upset about it, just say, yeah, man, I just, I really wanted to celebrate with you. Say something like that. And then that light switch is going to go off and they're going to be like, damn it. I shouldn't have said that, you know, or at least for me. Um, because DLN, I think said something to me to that effect of like, yeah, I just really wanted to, to, to celebrate this with, with you. And that's where I was like, ah, oh, God, I did it again. I offered unsolicited advice at the wrong time. She just wanted me to be happy about it. So, um, avoid that in the future. Like I said, the, the question was worst advice I've ever given. Uh, I couldn't think of a specific circumstance of how I ruined somebody's life with my advice. I, I, I just really couldn't. I honest, I swear to God, I sat for 30 minutes and tried, but I couldn't do it. And so, uh, I, I gave the category of unsolicited advice at the wrong time. Don't do that. Uh, still give unsolicited advice. Uh, I know I'm rambling a little bit, still give the unsolicited advice when it is at the right time and somebody's contemplating a decision and they haven't really made it yet. Or, you know, you might actually have enough, uh, might actually have the ability to affect somebody's decision. Um, give unsolicited advice. Those people that tell you to never give unsolicited advice, that's because they're not delivering it well and they keep doing it at the wrong time and it doesn't work out for them. And a lot of times it's because they don't ever want unsolicited advice. It's an ego problem for them. If somebody comes to you and says, don't ever give unsolicited advice, I would reckon to bet it's because their ego is so bruised when they get unsolicited advice that they just can't handle it. Um, so just make sure it's at the right time. If your buddy is thinking about buying a knife and you know that that knife is absolute crap, and he's open to, you, you can tell that he's open to, to recommendations. He hasn't asked you yet, but, uh, you know, give him, give him the advice of, Hey, dude, that knife sucks. It is not good. So apply that to many different circumstances, but yeah, don't give unsolicited advice at the wrong time. Well, everybody, I think that, uh, kind of wraps up what I wanted to do today and, uh, offer y'all. Um, like I said, got a little deep there, um, but please continue to, uh, listen to the podcast. Give me recommendations. Uh, don't forget the book club is coming up. It's called the comfort crisis by Michael Easter. We're going to do that in the month of December. Going to have a lot of inside time. Hopefully it's going to be cold. I love the cold. So I'm going to be smoking cigars and reading books and sharing my thoughts with y'all. So get that book, get tuned in and, uh, let's, let's learn and grow to better. Let's learn and grow and get better, uh, by reading this book and understanding truly what it says and, and help me do that. Thanks, everybody. Uh, share the podcast. So please get out. And uh, if you do if you do nothing, if you like the podcast, I'm not asking to pay me for anything. Kind of a tip from Andy Frazella, the pay the fee. Um, Andy, Andy asks everybody to pay the fee. He doesn't charge anybody for the podcast. He doesn't run ads. Um, I don't run ads because not, not, not enough people listen to me to run ads yet. <laughs> so I'm not going to promise that I'll never run ads, but, uh, like he does cause he's got, you know, millions of dollars to support his podcast. But, uh, he always says, pay the fee, go and share it. Um, if you like it, give something in return, go and share it. Uh, yeah, that would really help me out a lot guys go and share to your other circles. And if it really, if it does something for you um, and helps you get better in a certain way, share the podcast and let ever you know let other people hear that. That's part of that unsolicited advice. Okay, um, if you think that this podcast has something that somebody else may want to hear or need to hear, just share it with them. Just share it with them. And when they ask, well, what, why did you share that? What I just thought it was cool, man. He says to share the share the podcast. So share it with them and. Uh, help me, help me kind of grow this and, and really make the change that I think y'all are all bought into. We want to help young men be better and help men in general be better. Uh, I, I can't do that broadcasting to 20 people. And, you know, part of that is on me is to create better content that people want to share and to share it myself and to get in, get into those circles. And I'm doing that work on the back end. But for y'all, if y'all are bought into this mission, the one way you can help me is by sharing the podcast to, to your friends that I don't have. Uh, yeah, please do that. And thanks guys. I really appreciate it. Tune in next week.